Hello, hello, and welcome to Today in Grief podcast with Karen Monique. I, of course, am your host, Karen Monique, and I am super excited to have you here today. We are going to jump into today's episode, so go ahead, sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Views and expressions shared on this podcast are not a reflection of the host, employer, contracted workers, family, friends, or any kind of other social or political party or involvement. They are simply the views of the host on her own, as well as any research done and shared. Sources are typically cited within the show notes or announced within the actual episode itself. Some of the topics can be sensitive for children as well as adults. Grief is heavily expressed on this podcast. Grief is a main topic on this podcast and so many subtopics that come out of grief are also shared and expressed on this podcast. So please note that views and opinions are of the host's own discretion and do not reflect anyone else that they may know or anyone else that they may be associated with or organizations that they are affiliated with. Welcome to Today in Grief with Karen Monique, the podcast that explores the depths of grief. I'm your host, Karen Monique. In today's episode, we have a deeply meaningful topic to explore, to be honest, you all. It's called collective grief. In a world where joy and sorrow are intricately woven together, I believe it's crucial to acknowledge and understand the weight of grief we carry as a community. So today we're really going to delve into this collective experience and explore its manifestations and discuss how we can really support one another in times of shared loss. So some of you may be wondering, what even is collective grief and why are we about to use an entire episode to talk about it? I know y'all be like, Care, where you about to go with this? Care, what are we about to do? Um, and I just want you all to know, stick with me. This is about to be a good conversation. This is something that I personally think as I was doing my research, this was something that I feel is needed within the grief community, something that many of us may not even realize exists or is talked about. And in my grief journal, here is why I grieve. And I'll actually link that in the show notes. But I talk about the 16 different types of grief that we know of that exist. A lot of people know that there are five stages of grief. Five, some say seven. There, you know, some people kind of lean into this idea of two additional stages, but there are at least five stages of grief, but not a lot of people talk about how many types of grief there are. And there are 16. So today we're really going to focus on collective grief. So collective grief is a term that has gained some prominence recently as we navigate through various global challenges and crisis crises. Um, but let's like just start. Let me let's just back up and start by defining exactly what it is. So collective grief refers to the shared experience of mourning and loss felt by a group of individuals, often as a result of a common event or situation. It could be something like a natural disaster, it could be a public tragedy, a pandemic, or even some type of societal changes that impact everyone. In collective grief, individuals usually come together to mourn and process the loss, finding solace and support in their shared experience. 
So this got me thinking as I was really looking at the definition of collective grief, I was like, yo, in my short lifespan, I am in my early 30s. I was like, I could rattle off quite a few collective grief experiences and really some that even just came to mind off the top of my head, even right now, are 9-11, the Sandy Hook and other school shootings, Hurricane Katrina, George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, COVID, the 2008 recession, like this list goes on and on and on. The war in Afghanistan, um, there were just, uh, in Iraq, like so many collective grief moments have happened even in my short lifespan that I was like, y'all, I had to take a deep breath and say, sis, you have experienced a little bit of life. Like it's okay that like sometimes you you say life be life in because you really have experienced some life. Um, and that's, I mean, that's on a collective level, not even really just thinking about what I've experienced personally um, in grief and loss and things. But I was just like, yo, the last couple decades of life have been something for our world in general. But let me get back on topic, right? Because y'all know me, I tell stories and all that, and I really get into what I'm talking about. But collective grief really is a sense of mourning that kind of extends beyond individual losses, which is why we sometimes can compare it. We'll think like, dang, I'm already going through such and such. People will say that, and now this happens. And it feels like, you know, this this stacking of grief, which is actually, there's another type of grief um, that, uh, that, happens too when you have multiple losses. Collective grief really extends beyond individual losses. They touch a larger community and even sometimes society as a whole. A pandemic is a really good example, especially the most recent pandemic we had, is a great example of that really touching society as a whole. Almost no community across the globe went untouched with COVID-19. So one of the questions that really came to mind for me, though, as I was studying for this episode and really just thinking about collective grief in general, one of the questions was, how does collective grief really differ from personal grief? Because I kept going back to like how I personally felt when I was thinking about collective grief. So what I learned was personal grief typically arises from the loss of a loved one or a deeply personal event. It's an individual's unique experience of mourning. So it's a very unique to them kind of experience. In contrast, though, collective grief is experienced by a larger group, often with some kind of common thread that connects their losses. So even though we may feel it on an individual level, the type of thing that happened or who it may have happened to or how it may have happened is connecting us in some kind of way. So it can involve a broader range of emotions and it may carry additional layers of complexity due to the collective nature of the mourning process. So individuals being connected to the one grief in a variation of ways can actually cause the grief to feel different for many folks, but it also allows folks to lean into a position of solidarity often because it's a shared experience. Or in case of the pandemic, like I just mentioned, or some type of natural example for natural disaster, for example, it becomes a forced new reality. I don't know about y'all, um, and don't beat me up in the comments about it, but the pandemic, it was rough for me, but then it was also like, there was a piece of it, the social distancing piece, the having to stay home, the really, you know, spending time with myself was such a blessing 
but it was a new reality of not being able to go shopping, not being able to interact with my friends, you know, not really being able to touch, feel, and talk to people in the normal ways that I used to. That was so heavy. And then after a while, it literally became a new reality. After we were in the house for six months, I was like, yo, this ain't letting up. Then we was in the house for a year. Then it was two years. And I was like, hey, this is like, this is something like I am. I I really got to love me. I really got to understand me. And even and my husband, you know, he's he's in the house with me. I'm in a house with just just one other person. And that's the thing, too. I was so grateful, you know, to be married because I had somebody else. I really thought about even in this collective grief experience, as we just experienced with the pandemic, this even was experienced. People experienced it so different, even just by who, who and how they existed. Single folks or folks who lived alone, they went days without human into other human interaction. That is so crazy to think about, right? Some of us who were in the house with just one person, it was like, yo, we got to get real creative on how to not get on each other's nerve. And then there are other people who were in houses with so many people that it was chaos. The the even controlling one another's schedules, where one another was going. Like there was a lot of risk involved with being in a house with so many people. So even though we were all experiencing kind of the same thing, the same forced new reality, it looked different for many of us based on our lifestyles and, you know, how we lived. And that's something that's really, really like I've been really thinking about as I started processing and thinking about this collective grief thing. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm not that old, but in my lifetime, I've experienced a number of collective grief moments with recent events like the global pandemic, natural disasters, and even social unrest. Y'all, I could go on and on and on about all the social unrest that has happened. You all know within the last, you know, two decades or even, I mean, we could even go all the way back um, to like 1991, 1992. Uh, Like we could go back like even to like when I was a young, young, young toddler and just so much social unrest that was happening even then that still, you know, those stories still come up even now. Like Rodney King, I know about Rodney King and I was literally a toddler when what happened to Rodney King happened. But anyway, when collective grief manifests on such a massive scale, it impacts all of the things that happen within society, all of the ways in which we interact, um, our politics change, right? Um, some of our identities change. Some of our values and our views change. So many things happen when collective collective grief comes into play. And with so many collective grief moments, the collective grief process can impact our community in ways that we sometimes have no idea even how to process. And that's how other things start to happen and other things start to build up. Or sometimes the beautiful side of that, good things come out of of that, right? You know, I do think there was, you know, I ain't gonna hold y'all up. I feel like some people got a little more health conscious about how nasty and dirty they were because we were a dirty people, okay? Like, I was like, the buffet is kind of a trifling idea when you really think about it. And the pandemic shut all that down. Y'all can't go to buffets. And I'll look back like, yeah, you know, 150 people touching a spatula and then going to their table and eating. That's a little bit dirty. Like, yeah, 
little bit, like, you know, breathing over food, um, just all kinds of things, or just being in, in small conference rooms and stuff together. Like we're sharing so much air. Like I really started to think about all of that stuff and new policies and processes that have been helpful to folks have really come out of that. So anyway, some experts, because of course I was doing some research as I was doing this, some experts say that collective grief can be both challenging and can be transformative. On one hand, it could create a deep sense of solidarity and connectedness within a community. People come together, they provide support, empathy, and a shared understanding of the pain being felt. This can foster resilience and inspire collective action for positive change. However, though, collective grief can also be overwhelming, especially when it affects a large population. It can lead to feelings of helplessness, anxiety, and even societal unrest if not addressed and processed appropriately. One of the things that I think about, like in my lifetime, Hurricane Katrina was, we know, is one of the worst hurricanes that has ever happened. That kind of came to mind for me for collective grief that happened to a huge population of folks, not only just the folks who literally lost their homes, some of them lost their lives and things like that, but like on even a national scale, Hurricane Katrina impacted literally almost every state. People had to move. People had to take in family members. People were processing literally how could this hurricane be so bad to uproot, you know, several, several cities and two states. Like it really was one of those things that it was just like, yo, a natural disaster could wipe people out. Like that's, that's a lot to really take in. That's a lot to think about. And a lot of people, you know, there are some people who are still now, you know, all these years later, just building their lives back up from the fact that Hurricane Katrina happened to them. But another thing that really can come out of collective grief is the sad side of suicide rates can increase, addictions and other coping practices become heightened, and in some instances, there can be an increase in violence and crime, believe it or not. That is not unheard of when it comes to collective grief as well. So y'all know, like I just said, I do like to give a little bit of advice on the podcast, and although I am not a grief expert by any means, I am a learner and a researcher, so I did quite a bit of research as I was thinking about and processing through this. So another question that I specifically looked up when I was doing the research was how can an individual or how can individuals and communities effectively navigate through collective grief? And specifically, are there any strategies or approaches that can help? Because I wanted to drop a little knowledge and advice on y'all. So what I found was that one key strategy to navigating collective grief is by creating spaces for open dialogue and honest conversations about grief. Much like what I'm doing with this platform, when I looked that up, I was like, yo, this is truly something that came out of collective grief in a sense for me. I've been processing all of the grief that has happened. People don't have a place to put their grief down. People are bottling up and not sharing their experiences. It's becoming, it's still such this taboo topic. And I created this podcast and I was like, yo, I did exactly what, you know, is said to be kind of a positive thing in collective grief without even really knowing it. When I started this podcast, that wasn't necessarily my thought, but I was like, okay, so now I'm like, I'm I'm in the groove of things. I'm probably doing something that's, that's good and can be healthy and helpful for those that are experiencing and need this space. So this is why the podcast was really born. I truly wanted people to be able to talk about grief, to open up um, about it, to tell their stories. And that was really important 
to them, stuff that's really important to them in relation to their grief. So other things that could be um, helpful are support groups, community events, or online platforms where people can like share their experiences and emotions without judgment. That's a super important piece because it's collective. So many people have input. So many people have thoughts. But the key factor is people being able to share without judgment, creating safe spaces and safe platforms. I don't even really know what that looks like completely, but the intention, right? How can we be intentional about doing that in as many ways as possible? It's it's really crucial for us to acknowledge the pain and loss collectively while fostering a sense of compassion and understanding. Additionally, y'all, seeking professional help, come on y'all, from grief counselors or therapists can really provide individuals with the tools and support that they need to process grief effectively. Like, I just want to stay there for one second. Seeking out professionals like counselors and therapists is not a bad idea, y'all. It can truly be life-changing. Do not think that you don't deserve or don't need or can't benefit from somebody who is professionally trained in this arena. It's so, so vital and so, so important for us to be connected to people who can help us above and beyond, I'm going to just put it out there, our faith above and beyond our own personal thoughts and feelings. Sometimes you need a professional to say, actually, research shows, studies show this kind of behavior leads to that. Like we need to know what kinds of things are happening and changing amongst us, because that's something that I argue anybody to the ground about. Grief does can and will change people. No matter what kind of grief it is, you will begin to experience life in a new way. And it may not be forever, right? It may have a time limit on it. It may show up in certain ways and things, but you really need to be, we all need to be aware of our behaviors. We all need to be aware of how we're being impacted and how we're being affected. So I just want y'all to know there is so much value in therapy, therapeutic spaces, therapeutic journeys, all of that when it comes to grief. Now, I'm going to get off my soapbox a little bit because I know that is not what y'all really came here for, but I still wanted to put it out there. <laughs> so I want you all to know, though, in times of collective grief, it's also essential to create safe spaces for people to express themselves and find solace in one another. So we just talked about how we need to do it without judgment, but also solace and solidarity of like other people saying, you know what? I feel this way, too. You are not alone. There's so much comfort and there's so much power in someone else understanding, OK, I can take a deep breath. This is not a journey that I'm traveling by myself. I don't have to do this alone. My feelings are valid. All of that validation and all of that is vital, vital, vital. But when this can't happen or when this doesn't have happen, you honestly need to find ways to create space for yourself, which can be therapy, like I just mentioned earlier. That could be a way for you to do that um, if you can't really find folks or find people who want to engage in conversation or creative spaces, for example, literal creative spaces, right, for you all to process and do those things. You should figure out ways to do that for yourself. So one of the things that I shared earlier was how resilience and hope can kind of come out of collective grief. And to be honest, though, building resilience can be a gradual process. It doesn't just happen overnight. That really involves self-care, community support, finding meaning in our own experiences. It could be a lot of things that lead us into this, 
you know, resilience phase. So engaging in activities that promote well-being like exercise, mindfulness, creative outlets can really help people and individuals cope with the emotional weight of collective grief. One of the things that really helped me, not just collective grief, but just personal grief in general, exercise really did help me. Sometimes I just needed to get out of my head and get out of my space. I would turn on some music. I would stretch. I would turn on a YouTube video and I would just do the moves that they was doing just something to get me up off the couch because I had been sitting on the couch moping for two days. Before I knew it, I was starting to see a benefit and an impact. Exercise had my brain cells, you know, operating better. I could think clear. I was losing weight. Like I was just like, yo, this is this is beautiful. This is really good. Like I was really doing something that was good and beneficial for myself and for my body. And I'm not saying exercise might end up being your vice, right? That might not end up being your thing, but that has become my thing. And now I'm actually a certified fitness trainer. A year ago, I was not. Grief, really, that happened for me. Coming out of, like, going through grief, my grief journey and my grief experience led me to wanting to get up and move my body more because I was happier when I was in movement and in motion rather than sitting still constantly thinking about grief. And now I'm in a position now to impact my community. I'm able to help folks and individuals in my community because I'm a certified fitness trainer who offers classes twice a week now to my community. And that's a beautiful thing to me now after doing the research that I did around collective grief and what I'm talking about, that to me is another outlet of how I I've found a way to create community support. I found a way to to help and to impact in a way that I wasn't before. So it's also important for us to recognize that grief is not a linear process either. Everyone is going to navigate it differently and we have to be okay with that. Even if it's the collective piece, we're all navigating the same thing, but we're going to be navigating it differently. When communities come together as a result of collective grief, it may be a journey that not every everybody is going to navigate the same. But by acknowledging that our emotions and giving ourselves permission to grieve, We create space for healing and growth. And who don't want to be in a space or an environment where you can heal and grow, to be honest? Also, finding hope and collective action and working towards positive change can really help individuals and communities move forward. So... I want you all that are listening, like, can you think of maybe, like, think back to a time, maybe the pandemic is a good example, because that's really fresh in a lot of our minds, where collective action kind of came out of it from your community. So for mine, the mask and the social distancing distancing became very normal. I also think back to some of the police brutality cases and unjustified killings. One in particular that happened in my city, Patrick Leoya was killed by the police right here in my city on a block that I drive through, right? Collectively as a community, we grieved his the loss of him. We grieved the fact that he died and he should not have. He should not have been killed for for what for whatever reason he did not serve he did not deserve death, right? And we rallied together in protest in support of the family, as well as in financial support for his lawyers and his legal team, because his parents, that was another thing, his parents didn't speak fluent English, neither did he, which is why he was killed. He didn't understand what the officer was saying to him. And our 
community rallied together, not only for resources and support, but to really talk about that. How do we advocate and help folks who have come to our country who are now a part of our community? We cannot leave them behind. We cannot act as though, you know, they should just assimilate to what it is that we are doing because they're here. It's like, no, they should not have to lose their full identity to also be a part of this community that we we rave and thrive on saying we're, you know, USA the great, America the great, right? That we're so amazing. We're the place to be. Um, and we don't even think about things that's, in my mind, sometimes as simple as seeing that there's a language barrier. There, anybody with common sense, I feel you're having a conversation with somebody. They're not understanding you. You probably are assuming, oh, is there some kind of language barrier? Could there possibly some be some kind of disability? But your initial thought is probably not, oh, let me shoot them. They're being insubordinate or they are disobeying me. It's like no weapon in sight, right? But anyway, let me not get on a soapbox about that. The community came together to really, really try to get some justice for him. So before I wrap this up, one of the things that I want to say is I just want you all, I want to remind you that collective grief is a shared human experience. By embracing our vulnerabilities and supporting one another, we can transform our pain into resilience, compassion, and force for and be a force for positive change. Together, we can heal and create a better future. All right, y'all. That is what I have for today. I hope you all enjoyed it. And as always, I would love to give a shout out to Co Productions who created our intro music. The song is called Still I Rise, which we absolutely love. Shout out to Kawan Monique Photography, who is the visionary and the person behind all of the photography that you see in association to the podcast. Of course, this podcast is self-produced currently by myself. So give me grace in this. I am really, really working on this. And if you are looking for a tool or a really awesome resource to put your grief down, for moments at a time, check out the Here's Why I Grieve journal, which I published last year, and that is linked within our show notes as well. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Today in Grief Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Today in Grief Pod. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach us at Today in Grief Podcast at gmail.com. All of these are also linked within our show notes. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating. Anything negative or challenging that you might have to say, go ahead and put that in the inbox. I can take it, I promise. Uh, but let's leave all the positivity on the outside and let's go ahead and put all the criticisms directly to who you want to talk to which would be me and I promise to respond as always I hope that you have enjoyed today's episode I truly truly uh, love you I truly believe in you I am excited for the healing that you are going to do and continue to come back here every Friday as we heal and hurt together on the Today in Grief podcast with Care Monique